Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. All right, well, happy Labor Day weekend. I know that everyone is like super, everyone's super made for Mondays when it's a day off and it's holidays. Like we're definitely made for Mondays then. But this is our last week of a message series we've been in called Made for Mondays. And here's the whole point of everything we've been talking about. We've been talking about this, that you were created for a purpose. Okay, you are, you are called. You are a chosen one. You are like, you are that special hero of the story that like was selected for something amazing and special. That's what we talked about week one, how like there's a purpose and a calling that is distinct and unique for your life. And that calling and that purpose is not lived out, is not played out on Sunday mornings. Particularly if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, this building, this service, this is not the end all. You were created for something bigger, for something more, because you were made for Mondays. And then last week we talked about how, um, how really your job is not your job. Your boss isn't really your boss, and your paycheck is not your paycheck. Because you have a bigger calling, because you have a bigger purpose, that even if you're working in a place that you hate, even if you got a boss who drives you crazy and you can't stand, even if school makes you want to punch yourself in the face every minute that you are there, that your job is not your job, that your boss, your teacher is not your teacher, that your paycheck's not your paycheck, that there's this higher level where God is operating, where he has a job for you, and he's placed you in that environment. Maybe that environment is how you're living out or you're working out the real purpose and calling of your life. As he's your boss, as he gives you direction, and as he rewards you based on that calling that he's placed on your life. And I know that over the last couple weeks of this message series that a lot of people um, who have been just kind of going through the motions in life, right? You just kind of, you wake up, you punch the clock, you go home, you binge a TV show on Netflix, you go to sleep, you wake up the next morning and start the whole thing all over again. I know for a lot of people this has been really eye-opening and very helpful to kind of really put in context your life, that your Monday through Friday life is the real purpose and calling of what God has intended for you. And you're living it out, and you're seeing him move in your lives as you kind of open yourselves up to that. And so in this last week, I mean, it's great that it's Labor Day, because here's what I want to do. I want to talk about working today. Okay, I want to wrap up this message series talking about our jobs or our schools that we're going to. Now, one of my favorite things to do, I love talking to younger people, and I love asking the question, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? Now, a lot of us, when we were younger, we were asked that question. There's like that one thing, right? There's a quick and easy go-to, and you always know what it is. For some of us, it's kind of, you feel embarrassed to say it out loud, because it's like, what do you want to do, and what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I want to be a famous singer. And they're like, well, yeah, but you can't sing. It doesn't matter. That's my dream. (laughs) I'm going to do it. And then they snap, because that's... What you do. So, and, so you ask kids, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And it's always big. Always. My dream, I want to be famous. I want to be an actor, an actor, actress on the screen. I want people to recognize me and know who I am. Or, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a doctor. I want to save lives. I want to change the world. I want to be president. Maybe even if, like, it's not the big dreams, right? Maybe just what do you want to be? What do you want to do when you grow up? Maybe it's just like, I just want a huge, awesome house you know, I want, I want to make a ton of money. I want to do something amazing with my life. Every time you ask someone young, and you remember when you were young, what do you want to be in your life? It was big. It was a thing. And you're like, oh it's, oh, it's massive. It's huge. You know what I never hear when I ask someone what they want to be or what they want to do when you grow up? I never ha- hear anyone ever say, you know what I really want? I, want? I just want a job where I'm just really average at it. 
I just, my perfect world, if I can just get a job where I'm not really good enough to be promoted, but I'm not bad enough to be fired, oh my gosh, that would be just the sweet spot in my life. And you know what? I want a house that's just too small for me and my family. It's just a little too small. I mean, maybe the kids got a share room. Oh, that would be amazing. I want a job where I just make enough money to make the minimum payments on my credit cards and still have enough to maybe buy macaroni and cheese and chicken strips. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be amazing? What a dream. Nobody ever, ever, ever says that, right? Why? Because it's silly. The idea that like, if we're going to live out our lives that we don't want to be successful at it is crazy. Do you know that if you work a regular 40-hour work week, or if you're a student in school, maybe it's a little less than this, but if you work 40 hours a week, that you spend 2,000 hours a year at your job. And if I spend 2,000 hours a year at something, at anything, I want to be successful at it. It's why when we dream about what we want to be when we do when we're young, we dream about being successful, about being good at things. Why? Because success is going to make us happy, right? Being good at something is fulfilling. Being good at something makes us happy. Maybe one of the reasons you don't like your job right now is because you don't feel like you're good at it. You don't feel like you're successful at it. And for you, the answer is to just find something else to do because you can be successful there. And the thing is, we really, at our hearts, we want it all. We want that dream career. We want to be a student in a school where we're just excelling and succeeding and we're super popular. And you walk into the cafeteria and everyone's like, Chris, and I like, come sit with me, come sit with me. And you're like, no, it's cool. I'm going to sit with this gorgeous girl right here. This is me in college, not married me, just so you know. It's, but that's what we want. We all, we want it all. And we, we look up to people who have success. I mean, we look up to people who we think have it all. Think about this. We elected a president who has no political experience at all, he's just successful in business and on TV. And when, after we got elected, when people started thinking about who should run against our president right now, who should run against him, we thought, well, let's ask Oprah, because she has no political experience and she was successful on business and TV. I don't even care what party you support, that's just funny, right? We look up to people who have success because we want it. Because success means happiness. Success means good. And I'll say this. If, you're, if we're made for Mondays, if we're made to live lives Monday through Friday, then I want to be good at it. I want to be successful at it. If we're going to spend so much of our lives working, then we need to be successful at it. So what I want to do today is I want to share with you the secret of success. Okay? So, I mean, get your pens. Get your papers ready. Maybe you need to get Evernote or your notes on your phone. Get it ready. You're going to want to write this down because I'm giving you gold today. Today is the secret of success. And it's probably no surprise that we're going to find the secret of success wrapped up in a story out of Jesus' life. Now, now, the story of Jesus' life, we find it in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is one of Jesus' disciples, and the Gospel of Matthew is called Matthew because he wrote it. Basically, he wrote a, a biography of Jesus' life. So Matthew lived with Jesus. He, he worked with Jesus. He was part of Jesus' ministry. He observed Jesus' life, and he documented all this stuff. But what's interesting, the story we're going to talk about today is one of those, like, dude, you're not going to believe what happened to me stories. Because the story that Matthew accounts, Matthew's account is telling us is not one that he was at. This is totally a story 
that Jesus was like sitting around the fire with his disciples, and he's like, guys, I got to tell you a story. This is crazy, okay? You're not going to believe this, but this is the thing that happened to me. And I'm just going to warn you, okay? If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're not a church person, a Bible person, like this is like some supernatural stuff, okay? That's what's going to happen in this story. I just want to prepare you now. And so, like, just for you, like, if, if you're like, I don't believe that, there's no way this is true, I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to preface this by saying this. If you don't believe it, then either Jesus lied to Matthew and his disciples, or Matthew lied when he wrote down this story. And I'll tell you this, for the sake of our story, it doesn't even matter. So just roll with me, okay? Listen to this story. I think you're going to, I think you're going to enjoy this when we discover the secret of success. Now, the story starts this way in the Gospel of Matthew, that Jesus is led by the Lord, led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. His ministry hasn't started yet. He's just lived 30 years of his life just in, in this backwoods little, little town called Nazareth. He was a carpenter. He just, just a dude, right? And, and then the Lord led Jesus out into the wilderness, and it says this, where he fasted and prayed for 40 days. Dude didn't eat for 40 days. You want to know how he got those abs? Fasting. That's how you do it. So <laughs> my wife is just like, you can't say that. Sorry. So, so he's out in the desert. He's fasting for 40 days. And while he's out there, Matthew's account tells us this, that the devil, that Satan appeared to Jesus to tempt him. And he tempts Jesus first this way, saying, you're, out, you're hungry. You've been fasting this long. Listen, if you're really God's son and you have all this power, then you need to just, look at least, you're surrounded by rocks. Just turn these rocks into bread and eat them. It's stupid for you to be hungry. Just feed yourself. And Jesus is like, well, man doesn't live by bread alone. And, and Jesus kind of rejects Satan's temptation, and he keeps fasting, he keeps praying. And then Satan comes back, and he, he just transports Jesus to the top of the temple in Jerusalem, which was the center of Jewish life. would have been hundreds and thousands of people in the, in the temple courtyard. And Jesus is at the top, and Satan's like, listen, he's like, here's what you need to do. Like, bro, if you want people to recognize who you are and recognize your power, then you just need to jump off this temple, right? Because God's going to catch you. He's going to send angels to catch you, wouldn't he? Because it'd be crazy if God sent you here and just let you die, right? And Jesus is like, no, you're not supposed to tempt God. You're not supposed to, like, I'm not going to do that. And he rejects that, that temptation that Satan puts on him. And then Satan offers up this third temptation to Jesus, as recounted by Matthew, as recounted from Jesus, probably to Matthew, at a campfire. And this is, this is how Jesus' story ends. It says, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. So Jesus is like the top of Mount Everest, right? And like some sort of like supernatural, mystical way, like the devil gives Jesus the capacity to see like everything. And he sees all the people, and he sees all the kingdoms, and he sees all the power, and he sees all the money, and he sees all the things that he knows he was sent to this earth to lead. Jesus is God's son. And the devil is like, listen, Jesus, he's like, you're God's son. You were sent here to lead and to rule these people. You were sent to, to, to build a spiritual kingdom. And you were sent to be a spiritual leader. Your, your job, why God sent you, is to lead people to God as their spiritual king over their spiritual kingdom. And Satan says this to Jesus. He's like, you see all of it? He says, I will give it all to you if you just kneel down and worship me. Now, I just put myself in Jesus' shoes, right? Because here's the thing. Like, imagine you started your first day at a new job, and you're thinking, boy, this is my career. You just graduated college. You studied graphic design in this graphic design firm. They're like, hey, we want to bring you on, and uh, you're basically going to be an intern. You're the, cof you're the coffee boy, okay? You're not going to design anything. I know you've got a, a bachelor's and a master's degree and all this stuff, but first you're just going to make Keurig for people, okay? So, so just come in and just get started. And on your very first day, 
Someone walks up to you, and they're, they're like, hey, you went to school for graphic design, right? You're like, yeah. And you're the coffee boy, right? You're just the intern. You're like, and he's, and you're like yeah. And he's like, well, how about this? Why don't I just bypass all the work of working your way up through the company and bypass all this, like, earning your strife stuff? Why don't I just make you the president of the company right now? Let's just, let's just take you up to that office and make you president of the company. Would you not do that? That's the goal, right? The, the goal of the career is to advance in the company, to make a ton of money, and to get to the top. That's the, that's the dream. And Jesus came to this earth to spiritually lead people back to God. People who had a broken relationship with God, who were separated from him by their, by their sin and by, by their, the fact they couldn't see God for who he really was. Jesus was there to open their eyes and to lead them back to him as a new spiritual king. And Satan, on the, one of the first days of Jesus' ministry, says this. It's like, well, I'll just, I'll just give you what you want. I mean, if your goal is to be the king of all of the earth and of all of these people, and for all of them to worship you and to follow you, I'll just give you that. You can have it right now. All you got to do is just bow down and worship me. You just, that'll give it to you. And it caused me to ask this question, what was success for Jesus? I mean, wasn't that it? Wasn't that why he came? Wasn't success for Jesus to be the king of the world, to be the king of our lives, and to lead us back to God, that was his goal. That was success. And here's the thing is that you want to know what the secret of success is? Well, here it is. Secret of success is to bow down and worship Satan, and he will give you everything that you want. <laughs> I'm not even really joking, okay? Like, like some of you guys are like, I don't know if I should laugh at that. Is, is he like serious? Is I don't, I'm uh, yeah, I mean, I am kind of serious because success for Jesus was that. And the devil was offering it to him freely if Jesus would just bow down and worship him. Because for Jesus, this could have led him to his ultimate, ultimate goal. This really could have been the secret to Jesus' success. And let me break it down for us, okay? For us, the secret of success, break, take Satan out of it. Here's the secret of success. Put the pursuit of your success above everything else in your life, and be willing to sacrifice everything else in order to get there. That's it. Write that down. You want to be successful in life, this is how to do it. Nine times out of ten, and like that tenth time is probably just a total fluke. If you do this, if you put your success above everything else, and if you're willing to sacrifice everything else in your life to get it, then you will be successful. And that was laid out for Jesus. That was the opportunity that Jesus had. But here's the thing. Is that like, even though success is attainable for everyone, there's a price tag. And for you, you can be successful. There is a price tag. And I would ask you this. How many marriages are you willing to pay in order to be successful at your career? How many marriages are you willing to sacrifice in order to be successful at the life that you want to have? One? Are you willing to give up one marriage? Two? Is it two marriages? How many children are you willing to be estranged from as they grow up and become adults so that you can be successful at, at your life, at your career, whatever it is that you want to be successful at? One, two, all of your kids? Because I'll just tell you, you can be successful if that's a price that you are willing to pay. Success is easy, but it has a price tag. And I know that as we hear this, people are like, well, I don't know if I want to bow down and worship Satan. You know, I don't know if I'm, I'm willing to, like, really sacrifice a lot of that stuff in my life. I mean, surely there has to be a better way to be successful, Chris. Surely there has to be a way that we can be successful in our lives without all that. I mean, how do we do that? Well, let's look at what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus' response. He says, 
get out of here, Satan. I, I, I'm, not even, I'm not even sure how Jesus said it. Like, get out of here. Maybe something like that. He's trying to be funny. Get out of here. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Okay, so in Jesus' response is a perspective not just on, only on success, what success for us looks like. We see the cost of success, but we also see Jesus' response to the offer of success, even though it would have cost him things that were more important to him in his life. Jesus responded this. He said, listen, there's one thing that is supposed to be the center of my life. One thing. And yeah, I want to be successful. I want to live out my mission the way that I, I, I'm called to live it out. I work 40 hours a week, and if I work 40 hours a week, I want to be successful at it, okay? I want, I want to, to advance and achieve. I'm a, if I spend this much time at school, I want to make it worthwhile, okay? So I want to put everything into that. But Jesus says, there's one thing in my life that is the center. There's one thing in my life that's the priority, and it's not success. And here's the thing. If that one thing that's at the center of my life costs me success, then so be it. Because that one thing at the center of my life is going to be my relationship with my father. It's going to be my relationship with the God who created me, the God who gave me a calling, and the God who gave me a purpose. And here's, like, here's really the main point today. I mean, if you wrote down the secret of success and you're willing to pay that price, you know, good for you. But I want you to write this one down too. And this is, this is the most important thing that Jesus wants us to grasp. God did not necessarily call you to a life of success, but he called you to a life of spiritual significance. God didn't call you to success. Success was, is never a guarantee when it comes to the kingdom of God. But God did call you to something bigger. God called you to spiritual significance. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I know this has been like super like kooky, like spiritual, supernatural, like devils and angels type stuff. Don't write me off on this, okay? Because here's the thing. Spiritual significance, you know what this means. Like spiritual significance is universal, because we all know deep down that, like, success is one thing, but, like, there's, this, there's still this moral center in each and every single one of us, no matter what we attach it to, whether we attach it to Jesus or we attach it to someone else or something else. We want fulfillment, right? We want a purpose, and we want that purpose to be fulfilled. Spiritual significance is universal. It's the reason that Bill Gates is working so hard to give away his fortune right now in order to help people all around the world to fight diseases and to take them out of poverty. It's why, it's why Chris Long, the linebacker for the Eagles, last year, the Super Bowl-winning Eagles who beat the Patriots, it still hurts my heart because I'm a Patriots fan, but Chris Long, I can admire him, linebacker for the Eagles, gave away his entire salary last year to charity. Why? Because he didn't just want to play for success, he wanted to play for significance. It's why Rick Warren, the guy who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, this super mega bestseller that sold millions and millions of copies and is still selling millions of copies, it's why Rick Warren lives on 10% of his income and gives away 90% to other things. Could you imagine giving away 90% of your paycheck? Well, that's what Rick Warren does. Why? Because all of these men, Bill Gates, Chris Long, Rick Warren, they've all had success. They know what it's like to reach the pinnacle of their industry, the pinnacle of their careers. They know what it's like to be successful. And even though they have success, they realize that it's empty and that it's hollow and it's still not enough. And now they're pursuing that thing that's at the core of every single one of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And that's a search 
for spiritual significance. And they're living their lives now not for success anymore, but they're living it for spiritual significance because they realize this, that our lives, their lives, our lives, at the end of the day, we have two impacts. We have this temporary impact on the world, and then we have the opportunity for eternal impact, a lasting impact with our lives. And they realize this, that success versus spiritual significance it's not just about happiness, but it's, it's about your soul. It's about putting happiness and pairing it up against your very soul. L- listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 about your soul, about people's souls. He says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. He, Jesus got his 12 disciples. He's saying, listen, come follow me. I want more people to follow me. I've got the best life for you to live. I've got a life that if you live it this way, it's going to be a mark, remarkable. It's going to be amazing. You're going to discover your purpose. And you're going to discover spiritual significance and fulfillment. But he says this, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You can't live the way that you want to. You can't pursue the things you want to pursue anymore. You must take up your cross and follow me. You know what that means? When people were killed on a cross, they had to carry it on their backs up to the place where they were going to be crucified. When you are carrying your cross, you're literally carrying the thing that is going to be used to kill you. Could you imagine if someone was like kidna- kidnapped you and they're like going to take you out to the woods and shoot you with a rifle? They're like, here, I want you to hold this rifle. And I just want you to hold it to your head while we're walking out here. And you're like, what? That's, that's, Jesus, pick up your cross and follow me. And then he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. If you chase success in your career, In school, if you chase success, if that's your goal, you'll lose the very thing that you're looking for. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the good news that God has made a way for us to be made right with him, that there's a new relationship that we can have with him through Jesus, if you give up your way for that, you will save your life. And then he says this. This is awesome. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What does it benefit you? If you reach the top of your career, what does it benefit you if you're the class president and you get straight A's? What does it benefit you if you're the quarterback or the point guard of your team? If you lose your soul, is anything worth more than your soul? I love that question. It's it's rhetorical in some ways, but like I almost expect Jesus to be like, no, really, I want you to answer that. Is anything worth more than your soul really in your life? Because true spiritual significance is only found in following Jesus this way. And you know why? It's because your soul, follower of Jesus or not, I'm just telling you right now, this is truth. Your soul was created and it was designed to understand and be fulfilled with spiritual significance in following Jesus. That's the path. That's what you were created for. It's what you were wired for. That spiritual search for significance is only going to be ultimately found and satisfied in Jesus. But way too often... When we're asked, is anything worth your soul? I feel like way too often we actually have an answer for that. Is anything worth your soul? Well, I mean, my my career is. My dream job might be. I've always, that's been my dream since I was a kid. I'd, I'd probably almost do anything to accomplish that dream job. That might be worth my soul. Is anything worth your soul? Well, being, being respected and admired in my industry might be. It might be something that I'm willing to sacrifice all those things to my very soul so that I can be respected and admired in my industry. Is anything worth your soul? Being financially set would be pretty sweet. 
be pretty sweet to be able to pay for my kids' college and have a nice nest egg and have a nice house and never have to worry about bills anymore. I mean, that might be worth my soul. And I think a lot of times it's crazy to hear that said out loud. But I think if you look at how many of us live, we would never say that. We would never say, oh, Satan, I bow down and worship you with my life. But we'll say, oh, Satan, I bow down because I'm going to give you my career and I'm just going to follow you with this. And Jesus, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. But this little portion of your cross, I'm going to leave it behind because success is just right here and it's way easier if I sacrifice spiritual significance. I'm going to get success a lot quicker and a lot easier if I'm willing to let go of significance. And the craziest thing about this, parents, I'll say this, the craziest thing about all this is we don't just do this to ourselves. Parents, we do this to our kids We raise our kids to sacrifice their spiritual significance in pursuit of success. Is anything worth more than your child's soul? Yeah, their GPA. It's a pretty big deal. Is anything worth more than your child's soul? Well, their stat line for their sports team is a pretty big deal. I really want them to get a scholarship. I would love it if they could make a career out of professional sports. That would be pretty awesome. It might be worth sacrificing my child's spiritual significance in their soul just so they can be successful in that. Is anything worth your child's soul? Well, I mean, I really want them to be well-rounded. I want them to have a lot of experiences. I I want them to be able to try everything they want to try because how will they know what they want to do? How will they know what they want to be when they grow up if they don't have the opportunity to to try new things? It might be worth their soul. Getting into the best college, it might be worth their soul. And parents, listen, I mean, we've already set this up. Your kid can be successful, and your kid can have it all. And all you need to do to make sure that your kid is successful is be willing to sacrifice their spiritual significance so that they can be successful in life. That's all you have to do. Just be willing to sacrifice their spiritual significance, and they can be successful. All you have to do is prioritize their academics, their athletics, or their other extracurricular pursuits over being in environments where they can become close to Jesus, where they can know God. Prioritize those things over their relationship with God, and bro, I'll tell you what, they will probably be successful. I was a youth pastor for many years, and I'll just tell you, we had kids in our youth group, and they were like church kids, like literally, I mean, their name was Charlie Church. That was like on their birth certificate, Charlie Church. And they would just be like, they were at church all the time. Their parents were like, would serve on the board, and they would be in the choir, and their parents were like, oh, we're churchmen. You know, that's who we are. And their kids, man, they were awesome. They are kind, they were sweet, they were nice. And when their kids would hit our youth group, I'd see this over and over and over again. Like, where, where's Jill? Oh, you know what? She had an honor society meeting tonight, and she really couldn't make it. And then the next week, well, where, where's Jill? Well, I mean, she's, she had drama practice, and she's going to be in the play for like three months. So she's not going to be in church for three months. She's, she's not going to be at youth group for three months. That's, I mean, it's, but it's important, though, because she wants to be an actress, and we need, she needs to be well-rounded. She needs those experience. Well, where's, where's Carl? I mean, Carl's on the soccer team. And so you know this, he's on the traveling team because he's really good. And because Carl's on the traveling team, you know that we were always gone on Sundays. It just is what it is. And so, you know, he's not going to be around. He's just not going to be there. Or where's Susie? You know, Susie has a lot of homework. And, like, she's really pushing to get that 4.2 GPA. And she's got the AP classes. And so she just has too much homework to be around for, for youth service. I mean, Wednesday, Wednesday night is a big homework night. I mean, let's be honest. And so because of that, she just can't be around. And I'll tell you what. 
you are going to raise a successful child. And as a youth pastor, I saw a lot of successful children come out of my youth ministry. I saw a lot of kids moving on to get into really good schools. I saw a lot of kids moving on to get really, really good jobs. And I saw those kids over and over and over again part ways with the future of spiritual significance. Because mom and dad raised them to put sports over Jesus. Mom and dad raised them to put academics over Jesus. Mom and dad raised them to put their happiness or their rest or their friends over Jesus. they got to have friends. I mean, if my kid doesn't have friends, I don't want them to be a loser and an outcast. And mom and dad raised them to have success in all of these areas, and they got it. And all it cost them was their child's eternal significance. And I tell you, ma'am, when I see those parents sitting in church, just getting older and older, and I see as their, as their kids walk farther and farther away from God, you can see that confidence in the decisions that they made about their children's future just diminish less and less. Our kids can have it all. Our kids can have everything in life. All we have to do is sacrifice their chances at eternal spiritual significance on the altar of temporary earthly success. And they'll have it all. Here's the thing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of wrap up with this. I was like, whew, parents are like, oh, you just beat me up, Chris. I'm a parent. I, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I, I get this. I want my kids to have all of these good things. But if we look at Jesus, we look at Jesus' life, Jesus defined spiritual significance for us. Jesus really defined for us, and he set an example of what the pursuit of spiritual significance looks like. And get this, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he rejected Satan's easy access to success. He passed on it. And at the end of Jesus' ministry, you know what he got? Killed. He got nailed to a cross. He was crucified. And every single person in the world who looked out at that, all of his followers all the people who weren't his followers. You know what that was? Failure. You see, the cross to the world was failure. It was not success. Jesus was not king. Jesus didn't have followers when he died on the cross because everyone fled and they abandoned him. The cross was failure. That's the path to spiritual significance that Jesus led. It was not success, but it was spiritually and eternally significant. What did Jesus' followers do? How did Jesus' followers after him define to us the path of spiritual significance? Well, Peter, one of Jesus' best friend, Peter also was crucified on a cross. But he was crucified upside down because he just didn't feel like he was worthy to be killed the way Jesus did. So, so Jesus failed. Then Peter, he, he failed. Um, you got the apostle Paul. You know, the apostle Paul gave up a promising career as a religious Jewish leader to be part of the church and to become a follower of Jesus and to spread the gospel. Paul was put in prison for years before eventually he was killed by the Roman emperor. So Paul failed. I mean, look at all of Jesus' disciples. Every single one of them died because they were followers of Jesus. What well, with the exception of John, and John only didn't die because it didn't take. They boiled him in oil and he just wouldn't die. So instead of trying to kill him again, they're like, you can't boil a guy in oil twice. Like, even for us, that's just not cool. So we'll just, they put him on an island where he just lived out the rest of his life, isolated and exiled on an island for years. Just him and his little notebooks where he could write. How's John? Failure. Matthew, the man who wrote the gospel we're reading from. Matthew was stabbed to death 
in Ethiopia because he was a follower of Jesus and because he was spreading the gospel. Does that sound like a guy who might have wrote down a tall tale about the devil just to make a point? I don't know if I'd be willing to be stabbed to death and die because I wanted to communicate a story about Jesus because I believed that much. But Matthew, his pursuit of spiritual significance led to his death. And here's the thing about all of these guys. And it's not just them. This, This goes on men and women all throughout history. They weren't rich. They weren't famous. They didn't have success in the way the world looked at it. They weren't beloved or admired. At the time, they were hated and they were despised and they were imprisoned. They didn't have big homes. They didn't have easy lives. They didn't have a lot of money. But they understood that success as the world defined it is not success as God defined it. And let me just bring it back to you. Worker, student, employee, stay-at-home parent. Are you worshiping at the altar of success? And are you putting God's spiritual significance and are you putting God's place in your life somewhere second or third? Is success like sitting on that throne and God, God, your relationship with him is just somewhere like down the ladder? Because if that's you, you might be able to find success that way by sacrificing things that really matter. But at the end of the day, you're gonna find that spiritual significance eluded you. Are you investing in a, in a temporary financial future instead of, of an, eternal, an eternal spiritual future? Is that what you're building on? Is that what you're investing in? Are you more concerned with, are you more concerned with your, your salary than your soul? Because Jesus is going to say yes to whichever one of those you really want to have. But you can't have both. Spiritual significance is what God promises. Spiritual significance is what God offers. Might there be success along the way? Sure. But that's never his promise. It wasn't his promise to Jesus or his followers because they picked up their cross. So workers, is that you? Students, is that you? Parents, parents, let me talk to you. I have two goals for my kids. Terry and I have two goals for our kids. One is that they love God with all their heart. Two is that they just love being around their family. Those are the only two things that matter to us. So if their grades stink, I don't love it. But if they love God and they love us, it's all right. I'm okay if my kids are terrible at sports, if they love God and if they love their family. I'm okay with it. I can live with it. I can live with all sorts of things with my kids if they love God and if they love their family. And I would just ask you this. Does your kid's place on their team matter more to you than God's place in their heart? Does your kid's GPA Do you want them to invest more time in their GPA than investing time in environments where they can grow close to God or where they can grow close to other people who love God? Are you more vested in their grades than you're vested in their eternal future and eternal significance? Are you communicating to your kids that the success that you want for them has more to do with a well-rounded education than a well-rounded relationship with God? Because if you are you might be sacrificing your child on the altar of success at the expense of their spiritual significance. And God wants so much more for them and God wants so much more for you. So today, today, let's do this. Let's do what Jesus did. Let's just be like, yo, get behind me, Satan. Okay, I'm putting this success search away and I'm willing to live my life in the search of spiritual significance. Let's stop hanging on to our own version of success and be willing, let's be willing to embrace failure if it means that we're embracing and holding on to God's calling and God's plan for our life because spiritual significance is eternal. 
and God created you for it. And God can fill that space in you that's searching for significance. If you say yes to Jesus, if you put aside your own way, if you pick up that cross and you follow him, even if it means failure, because it means that your life may not be successful, but it will be significant and it will mean something. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And Jesus, I thank you for the example that you lived for us and showing us how to live a significant life. Lord, you sacrificed, you gave up, you walked into failure, failure, even though you had the opportunity at the very beginning to have all of your dreams come true, Jesus. You were willing to sacrifice that. You were willing to let that go, both for your love of your Father and for your love of us. And today we say yes to living a significant life. We say yes to you, Jesus. We will follow you, whatever the cost. We say yes to leading our children into a relationship with you, even if it costs them success in sports, success in academics, success in drama, success in music, success in any number of temporal things, temporary things. I will put my child's eternal significance above those every single time. And Father, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to make those choices today because there's more at stake than our happiness or our child's happiness. What's at stake is our very soul. And so today, Lord, we put our souls in your hand, believing and trusting that your path, that your way will lead us to the best life that we can ever possibly live. And that none of this is about feeling guilty about choices that we've made in the past. Forget all that. Lord, I thank you that this is all about making choices and decisions that are going to lead us to the best future that you have for us. And I'm so thankful, God, that that path, that door is always open to us. The path, the doorway to spiritual significance. I thank you, Jesus, and I pray it all in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 